listen to this message, you will be challenged and encouraged through God's Word. Here at Heart Seas Family Life Church, it has always been our desire to see people's lives totally impacted and changed. His Word promises to accomplish that. For more information in regards to our church, you can call us at 225-274-1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Word. Jesus is. And if you're not following us on social media, start it today. Because each day, as I said, we go out live at 6 a.m. during these 21 days just to present to you another dose of who Jesus is. Jesus is king is what we talked about this morning. And he's the king of kings and lord of lords. And Jesus is awesome. He is absolutely Incredible. Let's go into our theme scripture for Jesus is John 14 verse 6. Jesus said to him, Thomas, who asked a question, but we don't know the way. Show us the way. Where do we go? What do we do? Jesus said plain and simply, here's the way. I am the way. I am the truth and I am the life. No one comes to the father except through me. I am the way, not a way. A specific, the way, the only way to the Father. I am the truth and I am the life. For the past two weeks now, we've been looking at this passage. The first Sunday, we laid the foundation of knowing Jesus. Not just having someone else's opinion that you have based your life or your decision upon. Because that's communicated knowledge. But what we've desired and asked God for is something revealed personally into our hearts and into our lives that we know for ourselves who Jesus really is. And we talked about that. Last week we talked about Jesus is the way. Exclusive, the only way to the Father. If you watched any of the inauguration this past week, I was blown away and absolutely thrilled to hear Franklin Graham and other people reading scriptures before the whole world saying, Jesus is the only way. He's the only way to the Father. There is no other way except through Christ. Thank God that finally someone He's standing up to speak the truth that our nation needs to hear. Why? Because he is the only way. We discovered last week that man wants to say every way leads to God, but they don't. Because it's different gods, it's different direction, and there is only one true God. And now today I want to talk about the truth. Can you say that with me? The truth. Come on, one more time. The truth. There are so many different angles that we could go at this message from. We could talk from the scripture that Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth you know shall set you free. That's important and true. It's the truth that you know, the truth of knowing Jesus that brings freedom into your life. We could talk about the fact that Jesus is absolute truth. Not just a truth, but the truth confirmed over And over again through the accuracy of scriptures. We preached a whole message on this last year. Talking about the Bible and the word of God and the proof of it. But quickly I just want to bring us back to a snapshot of something that we talked about. In the truth of scripture. In the truth of Jesus in scripture and in history. A man called Peter Stoner. He was a science professor in the mid-1900s. He took over 600 science students. Notice I didn't say Christians. He took science students. Some of them may have been Christians, but the criteria wasn't Christians to find out if there was a Christ. He wanted man to discover the fact for themselves. So he takes 600 students from 12 different classes throughout this nation. Not just from one school, but from 12 different locations. And they looked at biblical prophecy specifically in reference to Jesus Christ. 
And the Bible has over 200 prophecies that we see fulfilled when it comes to Jesus Christ. And they said, what is the probability that Jesus that was prophesied actually was fulfilled and came to be? And probability is this. Let me paint the picture of what probability is. If we take 10 tennis balls right now and we put them in a bucket, one we put a cross on. If someone was to come and put their hand in that bucket, they have a one in 10 chance of what? Drawing that one with the X. Anyone follow me? If you've got any kids at school, you're probably doing that right now. Probabilities and just different things. That's probability. But what they did was they didn't take the 200 plus prophecies of Christ. They only took eight. Say with me, eight. They took eight prophecies of Christ, specific prophecies of his life. And the probability, if you were to put those in a bucket and put your hand in and pull them out, it is one and one to the 17 zeros. I don't even know how to read that number apart from to say that's a whole lot of zeros. 17, 17, and it could look like our bank account except for the one in front. The one in the front changes everything. Anyone know what we're talking about? Okay, so one in one to the 17 zeros. If we were to possibly be able to take that amount and buy a single silver dollar for every one there, There is no building and there is no warehouse in this world that would be big enough to house how big the capacity would be needed. In fact, listen to me, eight prophecies out of over 200 of Christ, the truth, it would take the state of Texas two feet deep all the way across to house that many silver That's how great the probability is. And then to take one silver dollar and to mark a cross on it and somehow mix it up in the midst of the whole state of Texas, two feet deep, and then get someone in a helicopter to fly over and say, stop and be lowered down and grab that one with an X on is the probability of one, two, One with 17 zeros. In other words, what are you saying? Jesus is truth. Because that's just eight prophecies out of over 200. And as they looked deeper and deeper, it went greater and greater. Beyond imagination of what it would take just to do 10 prophecies and 12 prophecies. So what do we know? Christ is truth. He lived. What was prophesied came to be. And that's what we've got to understand. He is not a fake. He is everything spoken and prophesied of himself in the word of God. Meaning what? He is the absolute truth. And you can say, well, I don't believe that. But well, think about this. If Satan could stop that, don't you think he would have? Because Satan doesn't want to do anything he can to credit. In fact, on the day when Jesus hung upon the cross, what they were trying to say, they confessed to the fact because they said, if you are the son of God, come down from that cross. But they knew if he came down, he wouldn't be the son of God. And him staying there by their confession meant that he truly was the son of God. Satan would have fought and has fought by any means possible, but he is still no match for the truth. And if it's not the whole truth, remember this, it's not the truth at all. If it's not the whole truth, it's a lie. Well, I'm just telling a little, it's a partial truth. No, it's a lie. If it's not the whole truth, then it's a lie. And all this is great, but that's not where I feel I want to come from today. I want to come from today, your life, in regards to the truth. I want to talk about the truth about following Jesus. That's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about the truth about following Jesus and how does that look for us to follow him in our daily life? How does it look for us to follow the way, the truth and the life? So let's go on a journey 
with the help of God's awesome word. You need to be reading the Bible every day. It's awesome and it's so powerful for your life. Get in a daily reading plan. You've got them on your phones. It will even read the Bible to you. It doesn't get more simpler than that. And you can just listen to it as you drive or as you're getting ready in the morning. But turn with me if you have your Bibles or follow on the screen. John chapter 4. We're going to talk today of the story of the lady at the well. I'm going to read a few verses today, so follow along with me. John 4 verses 1 through 10 says this, Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself did not baptize but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee. But he needed to go through Samaria. So he came to the city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there, therefore Jesus, being weary from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman of Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink, for her disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, how is it that you being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealing with Samaritans. And Jesus answered and said unto her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that says this to you, give me a drink. You would have asked him and he would have given you living water. What do we see here is Jesus has just revealed himself to her. He has just showed her a snippet of who he is. Jesus is living water. Jesus is life beyond what you could ever imagine in your life. And she's sitting there puzzled because Jesus says, I want to give you living water. And she's like, but you have no bucket, sir. I mean, how can you get that water? How can you draw that water? What are you talking about? Are you greater than Jacob who gave us this well? And then Jesus goes on and he identifies her. Look at this next passage of Scripture, verse 15. And the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw again. Here it is. And Jesus said to her, Go and call your husband and tell him to come here. And the woman answered and said to Jesus, I don't have a husband. End of story. But it wasn't, was it? Because Jesus said, You've said, Well, you don't have a husband because you've had five Come on, and the one you're shacking up with now isn't even your husband. In that he spoke what? Truth. Truly, he spoke truth. He spoke truth. You see, he now exposes who he shows her who he is. But now he shows her who she really is in her life. To which she turns around and says, man, you've got to be a prophet. Because how can someone who doesn't know me know those things? Jump to verse 25 and it says, And the woman said to him, to truth, Jesus, I know the Messiah is coming, who is called the Christ. And when he comes, he will tell us all things. In other words, he will speak the truth. He will bring the truth that we have been waiting for in our lives to which Jesus responded to her. And you've got to catch this. I who speak to you am truth. I am the one that you are waiting for. Look no further. Wait no longer. Truth is right here in front of you today. And at that point, his disciples came and they marveled. The disciples walked up and Jesus said to her, I'm the truth that you've been looking for. And they marveled and said, why is he talking to a woman? It was against the custom of their day. Why is Jesus doing something that's unlawful? Why is he doing something wrong? Yet no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? They were afraid to ask, but they're thinking this inside of their hearts. And the woman then left her water pot, her livelihood, what she came to draw with. She took off and went back to the city and she told the men of the city, come and see a man, the truth who told me everything that I have ever done, everything I did. Could this be 
the Christ. Could this be the one, the truth that we have been waiting for? There's so much in this story and we kind of jumped through some parts. So read it, please, and fill in the blanks when you get home today. But I want to begin this story, if I can, in verse 4. And the Bible says these words, But he needed to go through Samaria. You can read things like that and say, okay, what's the big deal? You've got to understand some history here. The Jews did not go through Samaria. They avoided it at all cost. If they wanted to leave Jerusalem, if they wanted to leave Judea and head to Galilee, the simplest path would have been to go through Samaria. In fact, it was half the distance of what it would take them to go around. But because of the racial tensions, because of how the Jews looked at the Samaritans, they called them dogs. That was the highest insult that you could give of that day. They insulted them in that way. Why? Because they were the scum of the earth to them. They didn't want even to to get the dust of those places on their feet. So instead of 70 miles through, they would go 130 plus miles around to avoid and the treacherous journey that they would have to face through mountainous ravines and, 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 and areas like that where they could have just gone straight through. It's like they could have taken the highway or they went the back road. And they're going the back roads to avoid at any cost. And here is Jesus, what? He is going straight to the place where everyone has been taught to avoid and to stay away from. This leads to my first point. So if you're taking notes today, and I hope you are in church. Three points for the message today, by the way. Three truths about following Jesus. Point number one, are you ready? Sometimes the things you are trying to avoid is exactly what he will take you into. Sometimes the things in life, the pains, the sufferings, the hardships, the friendships, the things that you are trying to avoid, maybe being taught to avoid, just like the Jews of that day. The things that you have tried to avoid and are trying to avoid in life is exactly the pathway, the way that he wants to take you into. What do we know about our lives? Can I just speak about our lives right now? We want the greatest results with the least effort. We want the pathway of least resistance. We want what's comfortable. We want what's normal. We want what we have become accustomed to, but not Jesus. New Living Translation says these words of verse 4. He had to go through Samaria on the way. I want you to know today, you're going to have to go through Samaria on your way. You're going to have to face things that you would rather and wish with everything inside of you that you could avoid. And we see in Samaria, he came for a woman, but the story's bigger than a woman. Because I believe the story is not just about the woman, but the story is about the disciples, what they learned that day. And what we as Christ's followers, because that's what disciple means, we as Christ's followers will learn from this story today. Because there is a big lesson here. Sometimes the things we try to avoid at all costs can become the greatest teaching ground for our lives. The greatest classroom of our lives when I look back at my life, is the pain and the anguish and the suffering that I've gone through. We like to say, well, God, just take me where I need to be with no pain. It doesn't work like that because with no pain, there's no game. But with no pain, there's no God because we forget him. We go our own way and we do our own things because we don't need him. But when struggles and anguish and pain comes, who's the first one we turn to or should turn to is Jesus. So the things that we avoid can become the greatest teaching grounds for our lives. To not only get our attention, but to bring growth and development to our life. We're good at avoiding. We're good at avoiding what we perceive to be painful and out of our depth. For example, the gym. We're pretty good at avoiding the gym. Anyone know what I'm talking about? Man, I can't believe he just cursed in church. He said the word gym in church. Can you believe that? Pastor just cursed in church. But what do we know about the gym? What do we know about what happens in the gym? 
When you put resistance on the bar or you put resistance on the pulley, what begins to happen? It produces strength. If there's no resistance, there's no reaction to it and there's no growth and there is no development. That's what God wants to do in our lives. From the surface, we can look at this story and say, wow, there's so much wrong with it. He's in the wrong place a place that they have never been before. Those disciples had never been there. Jesus had never been there. He's in the wrong place. That's uncomfortable. You ever been a visitor anywhere? Have you ever been in a foreign country? And I'll talk about England. They speak the proper language. I'm talking about another country where you don't know the language and you're trying to find your way. It can be very uncomfortable. I remember once we took a cruise with the lead team here of the church and and we rented a vehicle. And when we rented the vehicle, we were driving around minding our own business. All of a sudden, a minibus, not a minibus, a motorcycle hit us and the guy went flying over the hood of our Jeep. It wasn't our fault, but it was a tough situation. I didn't speak Spanish. Everyone else there spoke Spanish. I felt like everyone was ganging up against the foreigner. Anyone know what I'm talking about? Come on, we'll just speak stuff about him. Thank God Caesar was with me. He knew and he was able to tell me what was happening. But that was an awkward situation when they took me to the police house and wanted to know my statement. The cruise ship was leaving in four hours. I was thinking, my God, I'm going to be in a jail in Cozumel, Mexico, and I ain't getting home very fast. It wasn't a comfortable situation. Anyone ever been in an uncomfortable situation? This story starts in that way. They're in the wrong place. And not only in the wrong place, he's talking to the wrong person. The custom of that day, as I said, he shouldn't be talking to a lady. So it's not only uncomfortable, it's unlawful. But listen, God had a plan in it all. Because from what we perceive, we can see it as all wrong. Come on, I'm preaching this morning. Come on. We can perceive it as all wrong. Yet we must see in faith that God still has a plan in our lives during the times of greatest adversity and struggle. God's not scratching his head and says, oh, I didn't see that one coming. What are we going to do now? Listen to me, you could be today right where God wants you to be. Because that's the truth about following Jesus. He never promised it was going to be easy. Look at this statement. As long as your feet are touching the bottom, you'll never swim. Just think about that. As long as your feet are touching the bottom, you'll never swim. You'll never fully enter into that. You'll always be relying on yourself. And God says in Isaiah, I believe it is, he says, I have rivers to swim in. He said, you can go out ankle deep if you want or up to your waist. You can go up. But I've got rivers to swim in. And the Bible says the river that he wants to swim in brings life to everything. I want to swim in the life of God. But so many of us. Want to stay in control because we want what's comfortable and normal. Come on, get your feet off the bottom and realize that's needed for the growth of your life. God's not punishing you. He's taken you to places and depths that you have never been before. And you never will until you find yourself uncomfortable. Uncomfortable. When I say you could be right where God wants you to be, I'm not talking about because of your disobedience. Let's just make that plain right now. Because your disobedience is a different place. You can find yourself in a tough place because of you. Anyone know about that? I know we could talk for days about that. We like to blame everyone else, but the bottom line is we're right where we're at because of us. And if we are in the wrong place because of us, we need to repent to get into the right place where God is. But today I'm talking about being uncomfortable because God is in control. Finding yourself where you don't plan. Think about the disciples of Jesus. One day Jesus turns to him and says, hey, let's get in the boat and let's go to the other side. Okay, Jesus, that's great. Let's go. He fails to mention something pretty important. He fails to tell them that, oh, by the way, BTW, we're going to have a storm in the middle. Anyone know that story? It's in there. You need to read it. 
I, I, I just kind of think that's important information that you need to tell me. Do you ever feel that you're not being told the whole truth by God? Let's just be real. Or you just feel like God's kind of holding out on you, testing you a little bit. Well, that's what he's doing. He is testing you. But listen, he's given them enough information for what they need because he's already told them, let's go to the other side. So what does that mean? No matter how uncomfortable and rough it gets in the middle, truth has already spoken that you're going to make it to the other side. And that's what you've got to grab a hold of in your life because so many times we get so bent out of shape. Oh, this isn't what it's supposed to be. God, where are you? And he's sleeping in the middle of the boat. Have you ever felt like he's sleeping on your watch and he doesn't care? It's not because he doesn't care. He is modeling to you and I what we need to do through the storms of life because we're going to get to the other side. But how we get there is determined upon our response in the middle. You're going to get there fried, wired and stressed out if you're freaking out and not sleeping and worrying and being frantic. Or you can get there rested and ready and prepared if you are trusting in Jesus. You've got to trust him. Now there's a debate out there about the storm. Some people have turned around and said, well, the reason you find the storms of life is because of your sin. True. That is true. Not true in this situation. You can be in a storm because of someone else's sin. But you know what? You can also be in a storm because you are in the perfect will of God. Because living for God ain't always going to be smooth sailing and easy He never promised that, but he promised something better. And he promised his presence that wherever you are, he's there with you. I'll never leave you and I will never forsake you. You are promised companionship for the journey that the truth is with you wherever you go. Oh, but the enemy tells you a different story, doesn't he? Oh, my God. The enemy knows your email address, doesn't he? He knows how to Snapchat in the middle of the night. Hey, 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 wake up. Ding, wake up. If God really loved you and you were really in his plan, do you think you would be going through what you are going through right now? I think that shows that God is not real. I think that that shows that you are a fake and that God doesn't love you and that you are the scum of the earth. So what's the point in trying? Anyone ever heard conversation like that? Come on, I'm not preaching to myself today. We're preaching to each other today. This is what the enemy plays with our minds. He wants to put more confusion, unrest and doubt and fear. All things that God isn't. You've got to stop and ask yourself two questions. Are you ready? Is it truth or is it a lie? And really, all you need to ask is one question. Is it truth? Because if it's truth, listen. If it's not, don't listen. Because you don't need to listen to anything. If the enemy comes, you just shut him down. Because if you want to know if the enemy's lying, if his lips are moving, just shut him down. Is it truth? I can be in a storm because God has placed me there. God, give me the faith and the courage to make it through. I love this scripture, 1 Corinthians 14, 33. It says, for God is not the author of confusion, but he is the God of peace. Come on, he's not of disorder. He is of perfect order. And even in the greatest storms of our life, God can be the order and the peace and the stability and the anchor to our faith. Why? Because he's there. Truth is present in your situation. And in that situation, he describes his peace as Philippians 4 verse 7. And the peace I want to give you will surpass what you can humanly comprehend. Come on, it will go beyond everything that you can understand and it will take care of your heart and it will take care of your mind. Through who? Through Christ Jesus. The New Living Translation says, which exceeds anything that you can understand. God's peace goes beyond anything that you can understand. And listen to me, peace is not what he does. Peace is who he is. He doesn't send his peace. He comes as the peace because the Bible says he is our prince of peace. The truth is your peace. He doesn't send an adversary or somebody else. He comes himself in that midst of the storm. So to follow him, the truth about following Jesus means I may have to address those things that I would have otherwise avoided. Yet you must know today. He's going to take you along the route that will produce the greatest results in your life. Because God's about the process, 
preparing you to arrive. We want the results, but God's about how we arrive. The process through Samaria. David knew this, Psalms 23. Psalms 23 verse 4 says these words. Yeah, or verse 1 says this, the Lord is my shepherd, I'm not going to lack for anything. It's starting off really good, but then you jump to verse 4, it's not looking too great. Yea, though I walk through what? The valley, the shadow of death. That's pretty tough. But what does he say? I will not fear because you are with me. We love verse 2 and 3, the green pastures and still waters. God, can you keep me there? But the valley of the shadow of death is a different story. But yet again, we can learn so much more through the struggles and the pains, trusting in Jesus, than we can laying on the beach, sunbathing, and everything is hunky-dory, and everything is in its order. Oh, you'll have seasons of that, but trust me, when you look back on your life, you will thank Him more for the seasons of adversity and trials than you will the seasons of peace and rest. What does it mean? What is the truth of following Jesus? It means this, letting go of what's comfortable and convenient in your life. I think we often live our lives too safe. We like to live in the safe zone where God wants us to live in the faith zone. You can't live in both locations. And I love the story of Peter and I've got to move on because I've got to get to this message. I love the story of Peter when there's a storm one day and Jesus ain't in the boat this time, but he's walking to them on the water. I mean, what? Yeah, that's Jesus. Read your word. It's in there. Incredible. Jesus is walking to them. They're in the midst of a storm. Peter's in the boat. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that your odds are probably better in the boat during a storm, then they are out of the boat. But Peter says, I don't care what the world may say. I want to be where you are, Jesus. And he asked this question to Jesus. He says, Matthew 14, 28, if that's you, Jesus, here's what I need you to do. Would you command me to come to you on the water? And Peter steps out of the boat. And you can say he sank all you want, but you've got to be reminded he also walked. And he didn't drown because he was close enough when he began to doubt that he could reach out and grab Jesus. And Jesus lifted him up and walked with him back into the boat. Now, the guys in the boat were probably laughing and saying, what a fool you made of yourself. And I believe the Bible doesn't tell us this, but I believe that Peter looked at them and he said, you may think I'm a fool today. But when 2000 years ago, people at Heart Seas Church read that story, they're going to look at you as a fool, not me. Come on now. Because they're going to say, if I was in that boat, I would want to be with Jesus too. Being with Jesus through the greatest storms. Following Jesus, going through and finding yourselves in places like Samaria, out of depth and out of the comfort zone, doesn't mean you've missed the boat. It means you're maybe in the perfect will of God for your life. Because it's all part of the truth about following Jesus. Point number two, are you ready? Sometimes you have to walk or work towards the things, sorry. Sometimes you have to work towards the things that you don't understand. You've got to work towards things. You've got to move. You've got to live towards things that you don't understand. If you've been in church, this church, for a few months, you've probably heard me say this. That nowhere in God's word does it say that we will understand everything. Nowhere. In God's word, does it tell us we will understand it all? Why? Because that's not the nature of faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things that you want. You don't always have it right there and then, but that's faith. Not always understanding, but always trusting. That's faith. So we don't understand. We don't grasp it. We don't get it all, but yet we do get it all. Did you catch that? We don't get it all, but yet we have it all in Christ. We do get it all because we get all of God. And here's his perspective on understanding. God has an answer to our understanding. And it's from Psalms 91 verse 1. And it says this, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide where? Come on. Come on. Give me that word. Shall abide. Come on. Help me out. Read it together. Shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. So what do we see? God, the mighty God, where are we standing? 
under Him. Where is our understanding that we must stand under Him, not knowing it all, not comprehending it all, but trusting in it all? Come on, that we are placing our lives and saying, I'm not going to be moved, I'm going to trust you. And that's the understanding that God requires for us to have. And it's the best kind. Standing under God, letting Him control our destiny and our future. You see, the truth about following him is this. It's not my way, but it's his way. Now, I can do it my way and I can have it my way. But you ain't going to like the destination. The Bible tells us in Isaiah 55 verse 9, For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are his ways higher than my ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. In other words, his ways and his thoughts are above ours. Thank God, because he's God. But for what reason is that? Is it because they're out of reach? Oh, 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 let me get him. No, no, no. It's not because he's placed them out of reach so we can't have them. But I believe he's placed them above us for what reason? Because he says you need to grow into those things. You need to be built into those things because God has not given us truths and presenting us truths that are not available to us. But God says you can't handle them in your low state right now. So you just got to grow a little bit. And how do you grow? Walking towards, working towards the things you don't always understand, but trust in him brings growth and development and strength to your life. Because God's plan is always to grow your life. And the process may take you places that you don't understand. Yesterday at 12 o'clock, I preached a funeral for Jason Zachary. Missed Jason so much. Kelly was just telling me last Sunday, Philip, Jason stood right on the end of the row and collected the offering bucket from us. I remember she said last Sunday, missed Jason greatly. 43 years of age. I don't understand. Come on, let's just be honest. I don't understand that. I don't understand how God couldn't have taken his motorcycle and lifted it up over the car. Why couldn't have God avoided the accident? Why couldn't have God done that? I don't understand all of those things. I don't have the answer for all those things, but yet I do. And the answer is plain and simply this, what we must build our lives upon. And it's this, I must not give up what I do know for what I don't know. Come on right now. Come on. I, I, I cannot surrender what I do know. Come on. For what I don't know. Sometimes I don't understand it all. But it cannot take from me. Look. I refuse to allow what I don't understand. To take from me what I do know. And that is this. God is truth. And he does everything with a plan. And with a purpose. Even though I don't see it right now. Say with me right now. Even though I don't see it right now. There's a lot of times I haven't seen it right now, but then I see it later. What they say, hindsight, 2020? When you look back, it doesn't mean, even though I don't see it now, it doesn't mean that God is not at work in that situation. In Genesis, God comes to Abraham and he loves Abram. And God says to him, go. Okay, God, where do you want me to go? Go. Well, God, can you be more specific? Yeah, go to a place I'm going to show you. Okay, God, can you show me? God says, go. Have faith to go somewhere. God just pointed him in the direction and said, go. He had to leave everything he had and he had to go. But what was the promise that God said to him? I'll go before you. That's tough. That's tough. And don't act like it isn't. To live by faith is tough. When you don't see the substance of those things, but you know in your heart you have to keep going and you maybe don't even know where you are going. But that's an awesome promise that God gives. He says, I will go before you. We want the details. We want the plan. We want the schedule. We want to have it all lined out, mapped out in order, in place. We want to have this thought, when you do, God, then I will. Come on now, don't we? God, when you do your part, then I'll do my part. But God wants to turn that on head and God wants to say this. No, when you do your part, God says, I'll do mine. Did you see how we get it wrong? We want him to do his part, then we'll do ours. And God says, no, you got it backwards. Because God is saying today, no, when you step out through the things that you don't understand, then I will will every time. Listen to me. When you can praise him through the things you don't understand, think how sweet it's going to be 
praising Him through the things you do understand. When you can praise Him through the darkest days, think how great your praise is going to be through the sunshine and through the joys. That's the sacrifice of praise. The Bible tells us, got to move on. Is everyone with me? Everyone okay? The truth about following Jesus. Point number three. The truth about following Jesus is it will expand our limit of his love. He wants to increase your capacity of love. He wants you to love more, having a greater capacity to show him more to everyone around because he could have used any means possible, but he chose you and I to tell the world about him. In other words, there will be times when you have to address what you may have otherwise avoided. And when God says, love that person, when God says, love that spouse, when God says, love that boss, you're like, hold on a second, God, do you know who they are? Do you know the word of God tells us that it's easy to love those who are lovable? But to show the true love of Christ is when we love those who are unlovable, who are undeserving, just like we were. Come on now. Just like we were when we were dead in our trespasses and sin, he died for us. The greatest act of love this world has ever seen when Christ died. And what state were we in? A bad state. And God wants us to love people. Because the ones that we can write off and say stink, smell, are nasty, ugly, don't deserve it, are the ones that God says, they're still special to me too. So the truth about following God is this. We've got to win people over by His love. Because love is still one of the greatest forces on the place of this earth. Mum and Dad can tell you a story about many years ago when they went to India at the end of the service They walked outside and there was about 20 lepers. We don't see leprosy here in this nation, or if we do, it's very concealed, it's very limited. But in these other countries, there is a lot of these things still going on. 20 lepers stood outside the church. Mum and dad had never seen anything like that before in their life. All of a sudden, what's thrown through their minds, contagious, watch out, don't want to be around it. And they watched the lady who they were with without even any reservation, walk right up to every one of them and down the line. Jesus loves you. She went and hugged every 20 of those people. Mum and dad have said these words. In their life, that is perhaps the greatest act of love that they have ever seen by a human being outside of Christ. I wonder what we do because leprosy is a type of sin. Did you know that? God uses leprosy to parallel sin. Every day there's lepers that are facing us all around us. Those who are bound by sin. And it's so easy for us to say, oh, it serves them right. Don't want to get myself dirty. Don't want to inconvenience myself. It's so easy for us to justify all those things. But you know what God has called us to do? Following him means the limit of our love will be stretched. That God wants to increase our capacity. Because the truth about following Jesus is this. The limit of our love is going to be tested every day through stretching. And what do we know about a rubber band? A rubber band can never fulfill its potential until it is stretched. You and I will never fulfill perfectly the plan and purpose and our fulfillment of what God has for us until he can stretch us. I think so many times we care too much about ourselves, where Jesus requires us to abandon ourselves. Matthew 16, 24, then Jesus says to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me and be my followers, you've got to deny yourself and take up your cross daily and follow me. The, the cross was such a picture of death and pain and agony. Jesus said, if you want to follow me, you've got, to, you've got to die to self. And who you think you are, you've got to lay that down and realize following me is about my plan and my purpose. And you may say, well, hold on a second, Pastor Philip. What about me? What about me? What about my needs? What about my life? If you give to other people, I can assure you of this. God will take care of your needs. And God's a whole lot better at taking care of your needs than anyone else that you can pick on the list. God can take care of you in greater ways than you could ever imagine. 
Luke 6, 38 says, Given it will be given to you, good measure, pressed down and shaken together, running over. You see, in giving love, you get love. Our vision statement is here, life starts. We talked about that last week, paralleling with this message. Love happens. Why does love happen? Because when you know love, you can be love. I've seen so many people who didn't know how to love, but they found love in Christ and now they can love other people. That's what God wants us to do in our lives. Listen to me, if you're in a marriage where there is little love that you are receiving and you want to be loved, you know what you need to do? Sow seeds of love. Here's a great statement for you. Are you ready? Give to that which you want to get. Let that sink in for a moment. You've got to give to that. You've got to sow to what you want to reap. That's a vital truth for your life. Because that's the only way harvest can come. If my spouse isn't giving me love, if I don't give love, there's never going to be a harvest of love. I've got to sow the seed of what I want in return. If we could start living like that, the harvest would be absolutely incredible. Because remember, no seed in the ground, no harvest. And a seed can only produce after its own kind. So you sow hatred, you're going to get hatred back. Come on, you sow discord, you're going to reap that back. But you begin to sow love. Oh, but they're so unloving. Sow love. Be love. Be the example of Christ to them. Because that's the truth about following Jesus. And what did Jesus show them? He showed them that they were to love Samaritans. He showed them that they had to love people that they were taught to avoid. He taught them how to love a woman who was questionable at best. But Jesus loved her anyway. Almost John, done, John 13, 35. By this all will know that you are my disciples, followers. If, 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 what? You have love. How do people know we're followers of Christ? By the love we have for other people. Look at this statement. If you want to know the truth of following Jesus, you've got to show the truth about Jesus. And that is that he is love. That's the truth. Luke 5.31, Jesus said, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but only those who are sick. Our mission is not for the well, but for the sick, to reach beyond us. How will they know unless what? You, me, we tell them. The only antidote for the the pain and the state of this nation and world today is not more discussion. It's not more money. It's not who's in the White House. It's not education. It's not more information. The only antidote for the pain and the suffering of this world today is men and women like you and I that truly know Jesus and will spread his love and spread the gospel of truth to this world. Oh, it helps to come from the top, but it has to come from the bottom also has to come in our schools, in our communities, in our works, in our families. And we are responsible for that. Now, love doesn't mean we accept sin. But we, what? But love always loves the sinner. We don't love the sin, but we love the sinner. It doesn't condone what's wrong, but it loves the person in their wrong. Listen to me, Jesus didn't come to condemn. Jesus came to cleanse, cleanse by his love. So let me wind this down today. I'm not really asking you if you're saved. I'm not really asking you if you're going to heaven. I pray that you are and you need to know the answer to that. And today we'll give you an opportunity. But really what I'm asking you today is, are you following Jesus? Are you really following Jesus? Because the truth about following Jesus is this, it's not easy. It's going to take you places that you don't want to go. It's going to take you through circumstances that you won't understand. And it's going to stretch you beyond what you can think you can bear. But with it all, God is doing something inside of you to make you greater than you have ever been. You see, the truth about following Jesus is this. Are you ready? He loves you too much to leave you the same way. Come on now. He loves you too much to leave you the same way. Two thirds of God's name is what? Go, go. 
He wants us to go and trust him and follow him. Like that song says, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. If none goes with me, still I'm going to follow because there's no turn. There's no reverse in this one. It's just forward gears. And that's what God wants us to have. I want this church to not be a church, period. I want this to be a church, dot, dot, dot. Why? Because I don't want this to be the church ended. I want this to be the church that's continued, that's ongoing, that's ever expanding, that's growing, that's following the truth of Jesus. And I don't want to just follow Jesus at church on Sunday. I want to follow him on Monday, on Tuesday, on Wednesday, on Thursday, on Friday, and on Saturday. I want to be a Christian and live by the truth of Jesus every day. Because what is church? Church is a place where Christians come to sharpen their swords so we can go out again into the battle. Where we can regain our edge and be everything that God wants us to be. Would you stand to your feet all over this place right now? As you stand, you can bow your heads right now. The truth about following Jesus You're going to find yourself in places that you try to avoid. You're going to find yourself having to work towards, walk towards things that you don't understand. You're going to find the capacity of your life stretched, the limit of your love taken to places you've never been before. But you know what? Through all of that, you're going to be more like Christ. And that's his ultimate goal for every one of our lives, to make us more into his image. We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's Word into effect. At Heart Seas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.